Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Major League Fantasy Sports Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Roach. Today's date, April 28th, 2019. We have a fun-filled show for you guys uh, today. Uh, I wanted to open up uh, the show talking a little bit about uh, injuries. Uh, not only are there 12 Yankees injured, but there have been a few injuries uh, this past weekend of note. Uh, one happened today, Fernando Tent. Tatis Jr. Uh, injured himself. Uh, he was trying to hold the hold the second base bag, and uh, the stretch he went into a full split. Uh, apparently, it's just a hamstring injury uh, from uh, what I've seen so far, and they're hoping it's not a major injury, so he could avoid the 10-day IL. But we shall see. And uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, is out a couple of weeks with that ankle in- injury. Uh, I believe he suffered it uh, while trying to go up for a home run, uh, while trying to catch a ball that went out for a home run uh, on Friday. So those are a couple injuries of note uh, and to keep an eye on, uh, as well as many other injuries that happened this week. I believe Cody Allen got hurt, uh, so he uh, uh, there's a new closer in town for the LA Angels. So uh, there's a bunch of things to keep an eye on. So make sure you're up to date on your fantasy news. Uh, you can check out our website as well as uh, just following along with uh, everything else uh, uh, for Major League Baseball. As always, my co-host is uh, Cole Friel. Cole, uh, what you working on and uh, anything you wanted to open up about, um, just hold on one second here, uh, it's, uh, the site's being kind of laggy, so your microphone is not open at the moment. Um, all right, let's see. All right, oh, there we go. All right, you're you're open, Cole, so you, you can uh, talk about uh, what you're working on this weekend, anything you want to open up with. Yeah, all good, Brian. Um, so, like always, I'm working on my uh, relief pitchers uh, piece for for MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Um, you, you know, you mentioned the injury to Cody Allen, but um, you know, even before that injury, he was he was he had the job taken away from him rather um, by manager Brad Ausmus uh, with kind of the idea that he might potentially get it back. Uh, sometime in the near future, but yes, uh, the Angels is one of the the closing situations that I'm obviously going to have to uh, look into in the first half of my article. And as always, I, I kind of try to split my article into two halves, with the first yeah. half uh, being the section that that focuses on uh, save leagues, closers, what what happened to closers in the past week, and kind of a a news uh, week-by-week update. Uh, and then in the second half, looking towards uh, relief pitchers who are just kind of portraying interesting traits and have potential value uh, in, in leagues that don't mm-hmm. necessarily have saves, uh, that might have safe holds or inherited runners stranded uh, plus holds. Uh, otherwise, not too much. Just uh, continuing to uh, to tweet at CJ underscore Freel and uh, just write write more on, uh, 
on baseball and some of the uh, trending hitters and pitchers so far this year. Nice. Yeah, that, that all sounds great. Uh, I hope people are uh, tuning into those. Uh, our guest this week is John Gazi. Uh, John is a writer and editor with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Uh, anything you want to open up with, John, and what are you working up this week, Working on this week? I'm working on the high-low articles like I did last year, so um, mm-hmm. sell high, buy low, you know, the ability to do that and throwing some names out there. I've uh, tried some different tactics, but um, I enjoy writing it. It comes out on Saturday okay. morning. Nice. Uh, anything you want to open up with before we get started? Uh, no, the good um, good recap on the injuries. And Cole, yeah, I love the, writing. I love, yeah. As far as Cole, I've, Sandra? Been, I, I've been enjoying Cole's okay. uh, articles covering the minors, uh, the, excuse me, the relief pitching. It's He leaves no stone unturned. He does a, a really good job. <laughs> well, that's good with all these uh, leagues now that I use, like in Harry Runner's saves. It's all very good information that uh, everyone should take advantage of. Um, well, before we jump into our streamer breakdowns for Monday through Thursday, I just wanted to inform our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports. It's a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. Uh, more sports are on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on phone slash tablets in the iTunes and Google Play Store and look for the Thrive Fantasy app. After you download, use the promo code MLFS. Uh, that's the initials for Major League Fantasy Sports. So MLFS, and you'll get your first $10 match in real time. That's right. If you put in 10 bucks, then you'll get an extra $10 in real time. Just use the promo code MLFS in the Thrive Fantasy app. And remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com on the right side of the page, just under the headline section. You'll find the Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for as little as $1 or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current supporters. And we also have many openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season. Uh, so you can get a jump start on fantasy football for 2019. Uh, you can email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com for more details about that. All right. So we'll jump right in. Uh, streamers, uh, I actually felt like it was uh, not a huge week for streamers. Uh, Cole, we'll start with you for Monday. Who you got? Well, you know, it's always a struggle because I think for me the easiest time for streamers uh, for for a show like this is coming into the year because there's so many guys uh, that I might be a little bit off on on consensus. And and if those guys perform well, they start getting added uh, in more and more leagues. You know, there's a lot more guys. Uh, I feel like in April is, is the highest percentage of time that you get to say, this is a guy that's a streamer and never let go of him. Uh, to whereas right. in May and June, uh, you know, there are those those cases, but but I feel like they're more rare um, because opinions start to 
you know, flatten out a little bit. Uh, I think one of the matchups in general I'm looking at this week uh, is the Kansas City-Tampa Bay matchup. Uh, it's in Kansas City, which is a pretty good pitching park. Uh, most of the Kansas City staff uh, is going to be pretty unowned, and with the exception of Snell and probably Glass now, um, whoever ends up starting, even if they're an opener uh, for Tampa Bay, would be in a, a similarly decent position. Uh, uh, for Monday, that matchup is, I believe, Brad Keller and, and Yanni Chirinos. Um, neither one of these two are off to a particularly strong start, but at the same time, uh, neither has been particularly bad either. They both have ERAs in the 3-4 to 3-5 range. Uh, they both have pitches uh, in Chirinos' splitter and slider and in, in Keller's uh, slider alongside his command uh, that can that can get hitters to strike out. Um, in Keller's case, I, I think he's a fastball slider command type guy uh, who I usually find to have some decent splits uh, in terms of can do pretty well against righties, could struggle against lefties, but one of the most um, – you know, uh, worth noting lefties in the Rays organization is the still injured uh, Austin Meadows. So so that's a, a bonus for, for Brad Keller. And, and I think both of these guys in this matchup could uh, turn this into a low-scoring game in Kaufman. So, so that's where I'm uh, looking so far on Monday. Nice. Yeah. Uh, both those guys, uh, especially in that ballpark, are uh, great options. Uh, John, who you got for Monday? A lot of established pitchers uh, thrown on that day, so like you said, it was a little tough. But I'm going with John Means for the Orioles over Manny Benuelos for the White Sox. Uh, pretty much two of the worst teams in baseball. But Means has pitched, he's pitched quite well so far. Um, he's, he wasn't a huge prospect, but he's he's been effective. The, they're being careful with the pitch count. He's a big guy. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of uh, respect for that White Sox lineup. Banuelos, he's a, you know, as far as a run-of-the-mill pitcher as there can be. Stats this year have been decent in a, you know, the small amount he did pitch. Uh, this might be his first or second start, actually. Yeah, this was his second mm-hmm. spot start. So I don't expect him to go too long. Baltimore, they might be to re- be able to smash a few homers off him. Nice, yeah. Uh, uh, that's a good option, especially uh, he's only 19% owned according to the site that I'm using. Um, the guy that I'm looking at for Monday is uh, Mike Soroka of uh, uh, Atlanta Braves. Uh, he's going against uh, San Diego, and if Tatis is down, that uh, limits really uh, what they can do um, in the infield, uh, they'd have to move Machado over to short. Um, and they, they, uh, I believe they have a guy named, uh, I believe his last name is Franchi or Frenchy or French. I think, um, he, he's, uh, he can play third. Um, and that really, uh, limits the damage in that lineup for, power purposes, especially at the top of the lineup, because Tatis was hitting towards the top. Soroka so far this year, he's 1-1 one one with a 1.69, uh, 10 and two-thirds, uh, 13 strikeouts, four walks. So he can't he can walk some guys. Uh, but he's 27% owned. Um, 
and he's he's he has two starts this week, and first one against San Diego, and then later on in the week, uh, he faces uh, he faces the uh, uh, Miami Marlins in Miami. So uh, he he should be uh, someone you should target if you need him for a two start week as well. Uh, John, who you got for Tuesday? I'm rolling out the rookie Griffin Canning for the Angels. Mm-hmm. Top prospect. So depending on your league, you know he could could be out there and he might not be out there. But uh, right, the guy is very young. They they played him in the minor leagues for all of one season, and you know for how he chewed through the league so far in his uh, two starts, I believe he had. So he's got uh, supposedly a poor pitch repertoire. Throws hard. He's the best pitching prospect, uh, starting pitching prospect they've had in quite some time. So I'm excited about it. Going against, um, they're at home. The Angels are at home going against Toronto, which has uh, Buckles on the on the hill. Uh, he's just a run of, run of the mill pitcher. I think the rookie could uh, come out in a big way day one. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh. Uh, Cole, who you got for Tuesday, and any comments about anyone else uh, that we've mentioned so far? Yeah, sure. I'll actually start uh, reflecting back on on John's last two. Yeah. So, so John uh, mentioned John Means, uh, the Baltimore Orioles starting pitcher, uh, and I think that's a really interesting pick. Now, I haven't gotten to see him pitch yet, and he's only had, I think, uh, two starts of five innings this year. That might be wrong, but I believe he's had two no, starts of five innings this year. Um, it's been limited. Yeah, uh, and so what What I've seen from him in terms of the data, and I haven't gotten to watch him pitch uh, too much yet, uh, which I prefer to do, um, but it shows he's show, uh, throwing a lot of four-seamers and throwing a lot of change-ups, and that these two pitches are incredibly effective. Uh, specifically, he's throwing his change-up uh, a very high, extremely high, 35% of the time. Uh, and getting strong whiff rates, uh, despite the fact he's throwing it such an extreme amount. Uh, and it seems like these two pitches are, are good pitches that, that form a, a solid basis for him to take on a lot of hitters. Um, the problem is the third pitch is usually where most uh, pitchers struggle, and uh, it looks like his big problem is having uh, a pro-level breaking ball. Um, so the the one number that sticks out to me so far this year is he's thrown 49 uh, combined sliders and curves, according to Brooks Baseball, uh, and he's accumulated a total of one whiff uh, in his 49 sliders and curves. Um, so I don't know what that means. It's obviously a small sample. Uh, I also don't know how many of them have been taken for balls or, or swung at um, off off this, this page right here. Um, but what it does tell me is so far – um, in his small sample, he hasn't. John Means hasn't been able to get swings and misses uh, with those breaking pitches, um, so that could, at the very least, limit him being that guy who only goes about five innings per start, or is seen a bit more uh, as an opener. Um, but I will say that, you know, there's a better brain trust in Baltimore now than there ever has been, at least in my lifetime of watching baseball. Uh, whether they win, whether they uh, make progress as an organization remains to be seen. Um, but their new GM, Mike Elias, uh, he, he's a GM that comes from the same system that produces uh, the Brewers' current GM, the Astros' current GM, 
you know, all the, all the wins with the Cardinals organization over the years. Uh, Mike Elias comes from, from that exact same uh, tree, that exact same, you know, knowledge base. Um, and I think there's bright days ahead. Uh, and, and with this new intelligence, they tell these pitchers things like, hey, John Means, uh, throw your change up more than anyone conventionally throws a change up. Uh, because that's what we see in the data that you need to be do to be successful. So uh, Means is a very interesting name, I think, to look out for, to see uh, how, how his pitch mix is, is coming out, uh, if he's able to continue to overthrow that changeup uh, and get that to work for him. Uh, and then the other pick was Griffin Canning. Uh, I happen to be a, a dynasty owner of Griffin Canning, uh, so I'm excited to, to have him called up in, in a deep league uh, where I need innings, uh, wins, and, and Ks uh, just in the gross volume. Uh, I don't know what the – you know, the thing that you hear a lot of prospect guys say about Griffin Canning is that he's not a, a top-line starter. Um, and I can buy that from from seeing him pitch – um, but but where my caveat is is a, as a high floor guy, um, for what we care about, which is the actual numbers we get, he's in a very good situation. Right. I talk about a lot about how how good this Angel situation is. Um, Trout and Calhoun uh, is a pretty good defensive unit, and the outfield Simmons one of the best uh, shortstops in the game with the gloves still. Um, Cozart also very highly talented. Uh, infield glove, uh, and then also getting to play in Anaheim, which is, which is a pretty cavernous ballpark, or at least one that that slants to the pitcher. So for for these two reasons, I can see uh, Griffin Canning. You know, I, I talked about Frankie Montas in a similar way on Thursday show. Montas is a pitcher that I see uh, mm-hmm. that has a lot of problems to me right now, and is making progress and fixing those problems. Um, but for this year, I still like him as a value because I think his situation with the Oakland offense, the Oakland defense, and the Oakland home park is so good that he, he's going to make up for some of those flaws. Um, you know, Canning hasn't pitched in the major leagues yet, um, but I think there's a chance that Griffin Canning can quickly fit into that same role to where, you know, maybe you can see some of the blemishes where you watch him play, Um but the situation that he currently finds himself in is so good that he's still worth owning, uh, and some of those blemishes will get kind of uh, covered up the first year. Um, other than that, the only uh, real name, you know, I think Canning's my favorite starter on Tuesday for sure, um, depending on your ownership percentage, DFS context. Um, but I also still like streaming against the Cleveland Indians, uh, and while he is a, a little bit wild, uh, I kind of like the idea of putting Sandy Alcantara out in that matchup. Um, I think in a lot of settings you have a chance of, uh, of getting some strikeouts. You know, Lindor and Ramirez are scary, but there's also a lot of holes in that lineup as well. So, so Sandy Alcantara, uh, you know, might not be one that you want to go out of your way and watch if uh, you're a little bit of weak of stomach, but but Sandy Alcantara is someone I, I personally am willing to throw out uh, in one of my streaming uh, streaming against offenses, which is the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, uh, yeah, they really uh, have struggled. Uh, the Indians uh, uh, after the top four hitters in the lineup, it's really a mosh of Gonzalez and a bunch of other guys who uh, haven't really put it together so far this season. Uh, the guy that I'm looking at for Tuesday uh, is righty. Uh, Jacob Junis, 
Uh, he's a, he hasn't pitched that great so far this year. He has a 5.57 ERA on the season, but he's facing Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, doesn't have the greatest offense, uh, especially with Austin Meadows uh, out of the lineup. Uh, they they haven't really put up uh, a lot of runs since he's been out. Uh, what stinks for him is Blake Snell's on the uh, hill uh, on the other side, but. Uh, he he averages a lot of strikeouts. Uh, he he does he has walked ten guys, uh, but as long as he keeps the uh, hit total down, which he should be able to, um, after he gets through basically the top half of that order, um, then he he should have a nice outing. Uh, that's uh, that's also at Kauffman Stadium, so uh, Pitchers Park. Uh, uh, Jacob Junis should uh, have a nice. Outing, uh, Cole. Who you got for Wednesday? Um, for Wednesday, it, it's another one of those where I think uh, there's not a matchup that really sticks out for me here, but I think there's quite a few uh, that, depending on who's available in my league, uh, depending on the DFS context, I might be uh, willing to potentially throw out there. Uh, for one, uh, going back to, to the Kansas City matchup, I think we've um, brought up each each piece of it so far with me mentioning Keller uh, and and you mentioning Junis, who are, who are two pretty similar pitchers. Um, you get a lefty mm-hmm. in the Wednesday matchup, I believe. Uh, Danny Duffy, uh, I believe, is going up against Tampa Bay. I don't think that's uh, the worst matchup. Um, you also have uh, Pena uh, of the Los Angeles Angels uh, playing against Toronto. Uh, that Toronto's one of the offenses more than most that, that I like to stream against. So that's a matchup I'm a fan of. Um, but there's nothing that really, especially from someone who's low-owned, uh, there's no one that sticks out to me on on this list much as like a, a canning would stick out on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, that's a great option. Uh, who you got for... Um... Wednesday, John, any comments you want to say of previous uh, streamers that were mentioned? Uh, Pena for the Angels has potential, I guess, but this is a rough day. I more so am leaning towards, on a DFS play, Zach Greinke. Um, with the exception mm-hmm. of that uh, dose of bad practice he gave the Dodgers on opening day, this guy's been lights out. He's been tremendous. Mm-hmm. He's a good hitter. The Yankees going through Arizona. I I, I would pay whatever it took to get Granky in that matchup, even against Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a good option, uh, especially uh, with that Yankees lineup really uh, banged up, uh, even though they're still putting up numbers. Uh, uh, the guy I have, uh, for Wednesday, obviously, it's a very uh, uh, not not slow day, but tough day uh, for uh, streaming purposes. Uh, the guy I'm looking at is uh, Antonio uh, Sensatella of the Rockies. Uh, he's going. Uh, he's pitching at Milwaukee, uh, but uh, he's he's been solid. Well, not solid, but he's been he's been pretty good so far this year. Through a nine three ERA, two and one record. Um I and uh and Milwaukee might be a um, hitter's ballpark, but um Colorado 
Colorado's offenses uh, start to come together. Uh, they they lost today, eight eight to seven, but they they can put up some runs. So, uh, and I, I feel like uh, he might be able to slow down uh, Milwaukee uh, a little bit. Uh, maybe not Christian Yelich, who's just on a whole other tear right now. Uh, Thursday, who you got, Joel? Uh, let's see. Thursday. Uh, I same thing. I, I'm leaning toward more of a DFS play. Um, yeah. Charlie Morton at home against KC. I mean, Morton is a valid pitcher. This guy did not skip a beat going to the other league. He fits. He's so far the best number three starter in baseball right now. It's not even funny. He's very good, and the Astros, their offense hasn't been great this year, but I think they could put a tattoo on this guy, and he'd be lucky to make it out of the fifth inning, so i pay up for Morton. Okay, nice. All right. Um, Cole, uh, any comments about the uh, pitchers that were previously mentioned, and uh, who's your Thursday streamer option? Uh, nothing sticks out for me going back. Uh, I, I agree with the general sentiment. I think Thursday uh, is probably the hardest day on the slate and one of the harder days out there. Um, like one of the guys I wrote down, I don't even know if he's under-owned enough for a lot of these uh, conversations, especially with how he's started the year, but that would be Aaron Sanchez. Uh, I do like his matchup. Uh, even in DFS, I yeah. kind of like his, his matchup because he's got strikeout uh, upside even though he, he walks quite a few guys. Um, but even guys, you know, not necessarily even uh, low-owned guys, but just uh, some fringe guys are, are in matchups uh, that I don't necessarily uh, like, like like Brandon Woodruff uh, playing Colorado. Yes, that's that's away for Colorado, which is a big deal, but, you know, is that one that super excited me? You know, there, there's some some risk there. Uh, Brad Peacock against Minnesota again. Uh, I'm higher yeah. on the Minnesota offense than most, so uh, that starts to scare me. Um, same thing with like Tyler Molle against the Mets. Molle, I think, is a decent pitcher, but I think you know one of his big things is he's not a complete pitcher and. That's the kind of guy that I get scared of throwing out as a righty uh, against the lineup like the Mets. It's going to stack about six lefties at the top, uh, not even because they're a platoon team, just because that's how many they have on their roster at this point in time. Right. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you on all those. Uh, There's one you didn't mention uh, who I think could have a nice outing as the guy opposing Aaron Sanchez, uh, Tyler Skaggs, who just came off the DL. Uh, he actually pitched pretty well uh, in that start. I believe he got the win um, as well. Um, he's 2-2 two and two on the season with 3.15 ERA. Yeah, he, he allowed no runs, three hits, three walks, and struck out five. Um, he was uh, very, very good. Um, so... Uh, and he throws lefty. Uh, basically, the lineup for the Blue Jays isn't that great. Uh, so he's another guy you can uh, throw out there if you're looking um, for a streamer. He he is 41% owned, so it might be tough. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's what we got for streamers. Uh, so we'll move on uh, now to some uh, hitters uh, that we want to. 
pick up. Uh, Cole, we'll start with you. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I took this approach a, a few different ways. Um, I think that the yeah, easiest and fine. best way to do it is by overall ownership percentage. Um, but uh, yeah. the first three guys I'm going to throw out uh, are guys that I selected um, because they had one of the highest negative changes uh, in ownership percentage. Uh, so they might be owned in a, in a high percentage of leagues even, uh, and some people might be saying that they're obviously owned uh, in their league. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a lot of dead leagues, which makes uh, these numbers kind of hard. Uh, and I think seeing a big negative at least shows that uh, in a number of active leagues, these players are hitting the wire, uh, which is important to point out potentially. Uh, and the three names that stuck out to me um, are Jesus Aguilar, uh, Enrique Hernandez, and, and Jurix and Profar. Uh, I'll start with the end and Profar. You know, he's not batting very high in the Oakland lineup consistently, um, and he has struggled and I also understand that uh, there's an argument to be made that, that the upside isn't too great. Um, but at the same time, this is a guy who was one of the highest, the highest ranked prospect in baseball many years ago, um, who's been solid and was even uh, maybe a bit better than solid last year. Uh, do I think the fantasy upside is extreme? Uh, no, not necessarily. But I also believe he's got enough talent to straighten it out. Um, he's a guy that's a buy low for me if he's available on the wire. You know, buy lows are hard for me because before I would actually do it in, in a really competitive league, I would maybe do some individual research on the player, like watch his swing, trying to make sure I don't think he's masking an injury, something like that. Um, but as of right mm-hmm. now, I consider Jerickson and Profar uh, a buy low. Uh, Enrique Hernandez ha- had a really hot start to this season. Uh, his value exploded right, right away. Um, you know, I was able to trade him away in, in one league. Um, but even though he's cooled off and even though I'm someone who did sell high, um, I don't necessarily consider Enrique Hernandez uh, a stock that you should be giving up on. I mean, I just definitely don't. Um, I think we've we've seen that he's a solid player against righties and lefties, and we've seen him be uh, a decent player. And I, and I think what we've seen in this last uh, slump for Enrique Hernandez is really his numbers just – uh, normalizing a bit to what uh, they more or less were uh, with last year on a pace. I, I still think Enrique Hernandez, uh, based on where almost everyone drafts him this year, uh, is going to be a value. You know, he, he's got second base, shortstop, outfield eligibility uh, in most mm-hmm. leagues. I think he's got a really good chance uh, of still putting 20, 20 home runs up, maybe even another 20 home runs uh, or close to that many for the rest of the season, starting right now today, um, has the ability to steal bases, leads off uh, against lefties, and is a valuable bat as a rare righty in a very left-handed uh, Dodgers team. So and Enrique Hernandez is a guy who I think uh, I think it's one of those cases where you know we had low expectations, and then all of a sudden he gave us all these reasons to have high expectations, but then the expectations might have been a little too high. And now that people are being a little let down, uh, they're overreacting instead of just saying, you know what, I didn't pay that much. He's given me a decent bit. He's still in a good position, and he might be a solid player for the rest of the the year. Uh, And that's how I feel about Enrique Hernandez. Um, uh, Jesus Aguilar is a little bit different for me because Jesus Aguilar is a guy 
who I was very low on in the preseason. Uh, and it was kind of because of this right here. It, because when you're when you're first baseman in the National League, where you don't have defensive value in the National League, there's only one place you can play, right. and that's first base. And when you're a right-handed, a right-handed first baseman, um, you have to be significantly better against right-handed pitching than every other left-handed option on the team or you know at least you have to be as a hitter so much better than every other option because what what scared me was not necessarily that Aguilar wouldn't be better or slight slightly better than against Thames it would be that you know if someone like Thames proved to be better against just righties a little bit than Aguilar uh could that potentially get into a platoon and then also you know I think people just bought into his leash a little bit too much this concept that he was an entrenched player because he had had one good season. Um, I mean, for one, just Milwaukee's moved on from so many players. They've moved on from Jonathan Blar. They've moved on from Domingo Santana. They've moved on from Eric Thames um, uh, to yeah. an extent on all these players uh, after they had great seasons. So it's not too surprising to me. Um, Aguilar has been sitting fairly regularly um, against right-handed pitching. And if that continues, he, he probably is worth dropping. Uh, he batted a cleanup today against the lefty, but had another over with a K. Um, just just looks a little lost. There's a couple people um, saying that he's he's been unlucky, and I do believe he's been unlucky uh, to an extent. You know, it, it's hard to be a 123 hitter unless you're striking out 50% of the time, and he's not doing that. Um, but both his X stats, like his, his X expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, these numbers are very poor. Um, so it's not like he's making good quality contact. And, and once again, you have to be significantly better um, than people around you to consistently get that playing time as a no defensive valued right-handed hitter. There's just, you know, there, there's a level of value to each roster position uh, and a platoon, a platoon bat who mostly hits left-handed pitching uh, and only defends first base is not worthy in most teams eyes and especially competitive teams eyes uh, of a 25 man roster spot. So, you know, it's one of these things where I see Aguilar as a player who I could potentially add on the wire. And, and if he does get hot, which he, he has done later in the season mm-hmm. um, in, in the past of his career, that's a great buying opportunity at a very cheap cost. But at the same time, I think Aguilar's uh, not that far away from getting, as I put it in the thread the other day, getting Nick pivoted uh, and being optioned down to AAA or, or released or designated for assignment, depending on what his current uh, option situation is. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you. Uh, I actually recently uh, gave up on him in a league that I uh, I basically have three first basemen, especially uh, with Matt Olson, uh, due to be back in probably a week or two, uh, more likely two weeks. Uh, but I have him, Paul Goldschmidt, and uh, Aguilar. So I, I, I had to cut bait with Aguilar, mainly because uh, I don't see him breaking out of it anytime soon. I, obviously, I'm going to pay attention to see if he can, but uh, I think uh, Thames is starting to... Uh, basically take over uh, at first base for the Brewers. Uh, any, anyone else you wanted to talk about, Cole? Or? Um, sure. Um, so, Williams asked to Dilo recently hit the disabled list. Uh, he, he got a yep. hit, 
uh, I believe it was off the wall and then scored on the sack fly. I was watching the game. I, I didn't see uh, where he got hurt, but but when he got subbed hey, out in like the third inning. Yeah, yeah, I assumed it was something running. I just didn't didn't see it. Like I didn't feel like he he gimped at any point. Um, but but the point is that uh, Mitch Garver has been tearing the cover off the ball. I think it's because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not not to say that Williams Astudillo doesn't deserve it, um, but Mitch Garver doesn't draw comparisons to a turtle or never strike out and never walk uh, or you know have a very unique style, presence, batting stance that, that Williams Astudillo uh, has that, that gets him all this credit and fame. Uh, because, you know, everyone's clamoring for Astudillo to get more and more uh, playing time before this injury. And you, you look up the team's numbers, and it's like Mitch Garver is leading the team in OPS, uh, which is also a significant right. statement because for a while, Jorge Polanco has been like top six um, in the entire league. Um, so, you know, Mitch Garver doesn't qualify uh, for league settings because he doesn't have enough plate appearances. Uh, and I don't know how his numbers have changed in the last, you know, uh, couple weeks. But, but Mitch Garver is a player uh, who, uh, as a catcher, that, that's the big deal. Uh, as a catcher getting playing time, uh, he could give you above average numbers at that position. Uh, and then I think John might talk about at least one of them. But I just want to throw out the fact um, that Michael Chavez – uh, and Carter Keboom just should be owned in like all leagues. Like I expected to say that anyway, but I was shocked at how low the ownership percentage still was uh, on them in ESPN. Like this isn't a hard mathematical equation to do. Let's ignore the players entirely, which we shouldn't be as they're talented players, but let's ignore the players entirely. Called up draft or called up prospects have an incredibly variable value. Um, and so if you drop any of your worst players for a Carter Keboom, for a Chavez, one of your worst players is probably still going to be close to the waiver wire potential. But if Keboom, if Chavez just happened to go hot, scorching hot for a week, for two weeks, their value goes up exponentially. With every great hit that they get, people right. will buy in to, to the young player breaking out, especially uh, in both of these guys' cases. Chavez is a Boston Red Sox in a great lineup if he does happen to displace uh, a somewhat struggling Devers uh, or a getting old Pedroia in a permanent way near the top of the lineup. That would be huge for his value. Uh, Even if Keboom just proves that he's going to stay up, that will be huge for his value. Uh, you know, these these guys need to be owned in every single league, and I'm sure most people listening uh, will say that they are or think that they are, but according to ESPN, they are not in a lot of leagues. Mm. Perfect, yeah. Uh, those guys uh, need, need to be picked up quickly. Uh, uh, so hopefully people listening are going straight to the waiver wire to – add those guys before uh, someone else does. Uh, John, who do you want to talk about? I'm going to pile on Chavez just for a second. Uh, He was only uh, Yahoo had him at 13%, so he could be picked up in a lot of leagues. Uh, Like um, you mentioned, um, Pedroia, he's washed up. Come on. This guy, he's not really a second baseman per se. They are playing him at second. He's a third baseman. But he'll be 
he'll be fine. And the way this guy can hit the ball, forget about it. He's gonna get the, he's gonna get the job. He smashed another bomb today. He's he's really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have to pile on uh, Mr. Aguilar for a bit. Would I pick him up when somebody cuts him and stash him on my team? Of course I would. But I'm not so sure that this guy's gonna come out of it. This has been an unbelievably terrible stretch. And um, Thames has played well. He's only 5% owned. He was one of the guys that I would tout to pick up just in the event that, that Aggie never pulls out of it. I mean, they call it a, a timeshare, but he's only got 49 at-bats. He had one A-B today, so he's only got 50 at-bats for the season. He's made well on it. He's got five homers, 16 bombs, and he's got a 981 OPS. He's He's stroking the ball. I mean, this is a guy that in 19, in 2017, he smashed 31 homers. Last year, that got cut in half, and, and Aguilar came on the scene. So the, he could turn the tables on him. He's 32. I mean, I, I'd like to believe that Aguilar, what he did last year, was not a fluke. Uh, I mean, he was, in the rankings, he was solid, solid top 10 first baseman for all of baseball. I mean, this is a, a, a terrible drop-off. But um, as far as also talking about the platoon in, in their division, in, in Milwaukee's division, I looked at the starting rotations on the other four teams. Righty, 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 yeah. righty, righty. The Cubs have three lefties. Every other pitcher in that division is a righty starting pitcher. So this guy is going to at least be playing against them. If he catches fire – which he's borderline been doing, it's going to be a problem. Maybe the minors is a is a decent idea for for the for the Jesus. Mm-hmm. So well, I well, you know you I got would, well, <laughs> no I got one other guy I would um I sure. do like Scotty uh, Kingery, and I especially like mm-hmm. his nickname Dax. He's on the DL now. He hurt his hammy, but he he was quite valid as a fill-in for Philly. Last year, you know, he got his feet wet, so to speak. He wasn't great. He had moments. uh, He had, I think, only eight homers and maybe 12 stolen, and he had over 400 at bat. So I would say it was kind of a crappy year coming off of what he he did in the minors. But he's he's only had 32 at bats this year. So it's nothing really to hang your hat on, but this guy's a top prospect. He's going to play some way somehow. That, that's all I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, interesting. You you mentioned all those guys, especially Kingery, who's on the DL. That's more of a stash now. Hopefully he's back soon and uh, he can uh, really put up numbers uh, for you. Uh, the one guy I'm going to mention who uh, has is now up to 41% uh, rostered uh, on ESPN. Uh, Hunter Dozier, uh, he he had a nice game. Uh, uh, he missed a couple games due to uh, uh, I believe it was back spasms. Uh, and uh, yesterday he went four for five, two triples, four RBI. Uh, on the season, he he has seven homers, 16 RBI, sitting 350 uh, with a uh, 713 slugging. Uh, Hunter Dozier uh, is basically uh, solidifying the offense 
for the um, Kansas City Royals, who really don't have much uh, without Salvador Perez. Uh, they've had uh, a couple guys. Uh, Alex Gordon's had a good year. Uh, but other than that, they really haven't had uh, luck uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And Hunter Dozier came out of nowhere. Uh, he could play the corner infield spots. Uh, and uh, his average draft position was like 250th. Uh, on ESPN leagues, and he's he's been uh, uh, he's been added. Uh, it's up seventeen uh, percent over the past couple of weeks. So he's a guy that uh, people should uh, go out and grab um, just to see um, how long they can ride out this hot streak, or if, uh, maybe even keep him for the whole season uh, if everything goes well. Um, and, and there's uh, Shin, uh, Shinsu Chu, uh, Texas uh, outfielder. He hit another home run today. He uh, pinch hit uh, and hit a home run on uh, Friday as well. Um, so two home runs in the last three days. He, is, he now has three on the season. He's batting over 300. Uh, he, he went three for six today. Uh, he doesn't strike out much. He's a he's a nice little average guy with occasional pop up and he steals uh, the occasional bag as well. So uh, that's that's a guy you should uh, look at. Uh, and one more guy. Uh, this is a guy who I added uh, a couple weeks ago. He doesn't yeah uh, kill. He kills you in like the power department. Uh, as well as uh, he doesn't steal many bags, but he has three home runs on the season. Uh, he hits pretty low in the order, but if you need like a fourth or fifth outfielder, uh, Brian Goodwin uh, is a guy uh, people should look at uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Uh, they don't really have much in the outfield department, so he's been playing basically every day. Uh, he, he hasn't had that good of a week this week, but but he does walk. Uh, at a pre- fairly high clip, as he has a 4.30 uh, on-base percentage. Um, so that's that's my three. Uh, Cole, do you have any comments about that, uh, about any of the guys that me or John mentioned? Uh, and then we'll move on uh, to our uh, series previews. Well, uh, I think, firstly, uh, I personally would definitely be playing Chavez over Pedroia. I don't think there's there's any question about mm-hmm. that uh, in my mind. I don't think right. there's any question about whether he deserves uh, to play over him. But I do think there's a question on if Boston management, uh, especially with Pedroia being who he is and who he's been, uh, makes that yep. uh, an issue uh, and forces that that issue. So you know, it, it is it is my opinion. Uh, that that they should that that they should go forward with with Chavez as an everyday player until he you know I know his batting average isn't great but he has been playing I think pretty well as an overall baseball player uh, and I think until that declines they should uh, continue to move forward uh, or, or with him as an everyday or, or near everyday player um, I just wanted to throw out a couple pitchers real quick um, Jimmy Nelson is a, is a stash candidate coming back from injury hard to predict how someone's going to come back from a shoulder issue like that um but he has been 
gone for a long time. He's taken uh, rehab for a long time. I believe his uh, rehab, first rehab assignment comes uh, soon. Uh, he was probably dropped in a lot of leagues uh, over the past few weeks where, you know, uh, a, a team drafted him and said, hey, this is going to be my uh, IL stash. And then uh, everyone got hurt. Uh, so Jimmy Nelson ended up on the waiver in a lot of leagues where, you know, owners that liked him stashed him. Um, those owners are going to be uh, made aware once again of him coming back soon or, or being right around the corner right. soon uh, as he makes these rehab assignments as he gets closer and closer. Uh, I believe he would have made his rehab assignment either today or by today, uh, but I believe he actually went on bereavement uh, for the birth of twins, for his wife's birth of twins, obviously, uh, be, before uh, he was able to make his first rehab assignment. Um, but he, he'll make his first rehab assignment soon. Uh, that's the big point. Uh, and Jimmy Nelson will be back uh, in a Milwaukee Brewers uniform fairly soon. And, and then we brought him up earlier, but just to, uh, you know, to, to punch it home a little bit further, uh, Griffin Canning, to me, is a worthwhile pickup, not just for a matchup-based purpose. Uh, I can't even remember who he plays off the top of my head right now, uh, but for a, for a season-long league, good park, good team defense, uh, good upside. You know, people have been talking all year. Me and Kyle talked about uh, on the podcast, on the show on Thursday, about how the minor league balls have been juiced this year. Well, they didn't. They they weren't juiced for Griffin Canning, uh, who has a sub one ERA, uh, a strikeout per nine over nine, and, and a walks per nine of of almost one even uh, so far in three starts. He he looks absolutely sharp to start the year. So you know we'll see if he can carry uh you know carry that forward with him onto the season uh, in in the MLB in 2019. Nice. Yeah. Uh, good idea to stash those guys. Um, before we move on to our weekend previews, I want to remind everyone about our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports, which is a prop bet-based site that uses over-and-unders for players in MLB, NFL, and uh, NBA. Uh, So MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. Uh, More sports are also on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on phones and tablets and the iTunes and Google Play stores. Uh, Look for the Thrive Fantasy app. Uh, And after you download, use the promo code MLFS, which is the uh, uh, initials for Major League Fantasy Sports, so M-L-F-S, and you'll get your first $10 matched in real time. That's right. If you put in 10 bucks, then you'll get an extra $10 in real time. And you just have to use the promo code MLFS to get that. Uh, remember, also remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. And on the right side of the page, just under the headline section, you'll find the Patreon donation button. You can do- set up a monthly donation for as little as one dollar, or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current su- supporters. Uh, we also have many openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season, uh, so you can get a jump start on that for next year. Uh, you can email Roberts at majorleaguefantasysports.com to get more details about our fantasy leagues as well. So we'll jump into our uh, 
weekday um, previews. John, we'll start with you. Uh, just talk about uh, what uh, matchup you're looking forward to uh, this coming week. Uh, Cardinals 17 and 10 versus Washington 12 and 14. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Wainwright's on the hill. He's it's been the best he's looked since 2015. That doesn't say much, but this mm-hmm. run he's had has been halfway respectable. He's two and two out of five starts. Three at least were decent. Uh, I would favor him over Annabelle Sanchez, who is getting lit up this year. He was good last year in Atlanta. Um, he's obviously he's not a bad pitcher, but um, I would definitely think that maybe St. Louis would have the edge in game one. Game two is Mikolas, who came out of nowhere last year, a lot of people would say. I mean, considering he was pitching Japan the year before, he was – Superb last year, but this year is not the same easy going for him. The ERA is over five. The whip is low. He does, this guy will not walk a batter, but the K rate is down this year, so there could be something up with him. I'm not sure, but um, he's going against Mad Max, and Mad Max, I don't care what anybody says, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And for him to have an ERA over four right now is kind of – Almost hard to believe, as great as he's been. But he had one bad. He's had four good starts out of six and 54 strikeouts in six starts. I could see him blowing them, blowing St. Louis away. Uh, Thursday is Dakota Hudson's turn. He's been pretty awful. He's In fact, he's allowed eight homers already. That That's a lot of homers for the small amount he's pitched. His ERA is close to six. His whip is close to two. Against probably one of the more enigmatic but potent pitchers of the game, Mr. Strasburg, who's 2-1, his ERA hovering around 4, low low, uh, ratio. Guy could pitch a gem at any point in time. Other factors this weekend. Louis does have a lot of homers. Oh, no, I'm sorry, runs per game. Leading the National League, St. Louis Cardinals, 5.54. The average is 4.55, so they average one run a game more than the average team in the NL. Seems small, but not really when you look at the spectrum. Washington has got a potent offense also. They're at 5.24, so they're not far behind. So the runs per game, they're pretty equal. Homers, St. Louis 39, Washington 37. The average is 37, 35. So, you know, power-wise, we've got to call it even. Everybody thought Washington was doomed when they lost uh, Harper. But, the, you know, these guys, Soto's coming through again. Uh, Robles is starting to get, get it, you know, on track. They have hit plenty of homers. Also, defense. Um, based on this thing called defense efficiency, I don't know, it's one of these sabermetric things where everything comes into play. St. Louis is rated at mm-hmm. 726, excellent, and Washington is below average. Key injuries, uh, nothing to speak of. One wild card could be Jose Martinez. St. Louis is starting to let this guy actually get in the lineup and smash the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, he's been lucky because um, O'Neal and uh, Bader have been out, but um, he's smashing the ball pretty darn good. 
should be a great series. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, uh, what do you think about uh, Carter Keyboom? Uh, and uh, he hit his second home run today. Um, and I agree with I think what Cole said earlier. Pick him up. Mm-hmm. I got to say, he could end up playing second base there because it has been a rough go of it for Mr. Dozier. The Dozier that you mentioned? Yeah. Good. The other one no. I just mentioned? Yeah. Not good, <laughs> it's not terrible. So yeah, people, um, he could be there to stay. What do you think? Uh, uh, obviously, uh, they also have Howie Kendrick there. Uh, do you think uh, he cuts into Dozier's playing time as well? Oh, he's a fill-in type of guy. Kendrick is okay. He's an established player, but he's he's just he's mm-hmm. just a guy. I think K K Boom. You know, a lot of people. There's mixed feelings on this guy. Some people have him destined to be an all-star. Other people say, yeah, they don't know. But um, right, he certainly ran with the prize right off the bat. So I'll give him credit there. And you know, the fans get behind these young guys, and there's no stopping them sometimes. Right, that's very true. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what happened uh, when Trey Turner got called up uh, a couple of years ago. That's what happened uh, last year with Soto. Uh, basically, the young guys take over, and it's hard to put them back down when even if they start struggling a little bit, if you have a veteran who uh, was hurt uh, when they got called up. Uh, Cole, you have anything to say about that series? And then we'll move on to yours. Um, yeah, so um, in terms of Howie Kendrick and, and how he plays in the, this situation, I, I don't think there's any chance um, that they'll choose to, to play Kendrick over Keyboom or allow Kendrick, um, <coughs> excuse me, to to play into the uh, Keyboom situation and how that plays out. I, I think it comes down uh, to Dozier. The length they give Dozier of leash, uh, and and when they're completely ready to say goodbye to the Brian Dozier experiment, uh, and I do think it'll be a, a goodbye. You know, I think if you're a Kiboom owner, uh, not not to put it out for Brian Dozier, but uh, if you're a Kiboom owner, I think the number one thing you'd love to see is uh, the corresponding move for Trey Turner coming up, uh, being Brian Dozier designated for assignment. Because I think right now, I think the two most likely moves that the Nationals make uh, when Trey Turner gets off of IL is to either um, demote Keyboom back to AAA for full-time plate appearances uh, or or to designate Brian Dozier for assignment. I mean, maybe they try to work him in, into a backup role. I don't know uh, what what his idea uh, of his you know what his role should be uh, currently is, but you know as a whole, this lineup I think is holding up together well because they have so many talented young players. Um, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, uh, Victor Robles. Obviously, I think it would be uh, better with Bryce Harper. I think most lineups would be better uh, with Bryce Harper, but uh, they definitely still have enough firepower on the offensive end to compete, especially when you 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 put it together with what they have uh, with a pitching staff. Uh, that that they do. Um, on the other side of things, uh, I think the Cardinals have a, a, an interesting team. I, I, I think we've talked about it a few times, but I think Paul DeJong is a player mm-hmm. uh, who's had a really strong season so far. Uh, the Cardinals have showed organizational faith in him for a number of years now, uh, and I think just the fact that he was uh, slated to bat third from the start of the season kind of pointed out that he might be uh, someone that we were sleeping on a little bit because 
you know, just that lineup position alone makes him one of the uh, more worthwhile uh, flyer picks for the shortstop class after you get uh, outside of the the preseason top, you know, 100 range. Um, I agree with what John said about Adam Wainwright. Um, I don't necessarily know if he can sustain it whatsoever. I don't believe in him yet, um, but I have watched him pitch, and I've been constantly surprised at how um, not awful he's looked. He, he's looked like an actually decent starting pitcher for the first time uh, that I've seen him do in, in a number of years. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Miklos, uh, Miles Miklos can can get back to where he was uh, last year. You know, the thing about those guys is I think we, we look too often on year to year uh, and say, was last year a fluke or not? And, and when someone struggles, we say, oh, yeah, obviously it was a fluke. Uh, and I don't necessarily know if that's the most accurate portrayal. I just think, you know, I don't necessarily think Miles Nicholas was a fluke last year or not. I think he, he earned his, his soft contact uh, and legitimately uh, managed contact well last year. Um, but I also think that that's a much harder thing to do than someone who has natural stuff. You know, I think you're, you're living on a thinner margin of air, so to speak. So I, I think there's a, a great chance for, for someone like Miles Nicholas to have a serious regression year to year or more like a degradation year to year just because not, not because they were lucky last year or particularly lucky last year, just because uh, they were able to, you know, they have to pinpoint their spot. So exactly. And for some reason right now, mm-hmm. everything's just an inch off. Um, but that inch for miles Nicholas means so much more uh, than that inch does uh, to say Blake Snell, who, consistently can miss for inches you know i mean we we think of blake snell now as the broke out blake snell but even before blake snell broke out he still managed decent eras and modest starts and he didn't know where any pitch was going you know that that just is a testament to how to how good his natural stuff is um miles Nicholas just just simply does not does not have that and then did you want me to go on to my series yeah go right ahead yeah uh this is great um well, I have a few different notes down, um, but I think I'm going to hammer home uh, to start one of the main talking points I've had this April, uh, getting into this Minnesota Twins uh, and Houston Astros series taking place in Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see how this Minnesota offense does. They've been doing uh, better on the road, I believe, so far to, to start the season, but uh, I think this is a scary offense against specifically right-handed starters. Uh, I think Max Kepler... You know, I'm not a big Max Kepler believer, but I think he's making nice steps forward. Um, I don't think he'll ever be the batting average breakout that some expect him to be, but I do believe his power could be um, a little bit better than what we expected. He had, uh, I believe, a career-high 20 home runs last year. I could see him uh, doing even better than that. I mean, I do believe he's off to a great start in in that department so far this year. Uh, Anyone who's listened to to any part of the show or has followed my Twitter knows that the guy who I'm absolutely behind this year uh, is Jorge Polanco, switch hitter. Still need to see some things from the right-handed side against left-handed pitching. Um, improved approach in, in that area. But um, his left-handed swing so far has generated, uh, or to me, it has already generated a breakout. Uh, his power is great so far this season. Um, and it's weird to say because his BABIP's 355, which is still high, but his numbers have started – to, to come down, to, to normalize, quote-unquote. Uh, and he's still hitting 337, 
with a 390 OBP and a 632 slugging percentage. Uh, that's starting to match up with his X stats. He's not striking out too much, and he's taking a fair amount of walks. Uh, again, I like this lineup. He's, he's hitting second in it. Um, he's a player I could see having a real breakout, uh, even in the power in the power categories. And, and Jorge Polanco hitting, you know, upwards of 20, 25 home runs this year uh, with a dozen stolen bases, and, and being one of the better values as someone who can also do that towards the top of the lineup and hitting. Uh, over 300. He's, he's 25 years old. He's he's one of my favorite players to own right now. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch in baseball right now. Um, Nelson Cruz, third hitter in that lineup. Don't have to talk about him too much, but you know he's adding a lot there. Uh, Eddie Rosario behind him is off to a career best start. Uh, absolutely on fire. Uh, he is a guy who's been hot and cold in his career, but you know these are the the hot stretches that that he's known to have, and he's absolutely been on one, uh, at least fairly recently. Again, other guys like Mitch Garver, uh, when he's not hurt, Estadio. Excuse me. Um, Byron Buxton, Jonathan Scope. Just a very interesting lineup to me, mm-hmm. uh, and one that I could see being one of the better lineups by the end of the year, uh, especially against left-handed pitching and still in the top half, top ten uh, overall. Um, yeah. In terms of the pitching staff, you know, the thing about the Twins is they don't have anyone that's universally owned. Uh, they have guys with varying ownership percentages, other than Jose Barrios. Um, but they have guys with varying right. ownership percentages, like Kyle Gibson, uh, uh, Jake Odorizzi. Um, but these guys are still solid uh, starting pitchers, and, and you expect decent outings against them. Uh, they are right-handed, which gives them a, a slight bit of an advantage against Houston, at least from the concept of it's much better than facing uh, Houston as a right uh, as a left-hander, rather. Um, but I, I'm excited to see. Um, if Odorizzi uh, can, Odorizzi especially on Monday can can hold off uh, the Houston Giant, um, and then it's just it's just that on the other side, it's um, one of the best premier teams in the in the MLB. You got all all the great hitters on Houston, uh, a couple of the premier starting pitchers in the league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, if they can put away these Twins, uh, if they can split the series. You know, this is a tough this is a tough road series for a team that wants to win the AL Central against a team that's, uh, you know, one of the um, expected winners, one of the expected uh, title runners uh, in the Houston Astros. So so that's what I'm looking forward to uh, over there. Nice. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, a lot about uh, Minnesota. Anything specifically you wanted to mention about Houston? Um, so – I mean, there's not a ton in in this matchup, I guess, specifically. Um, Verlander and Cole will be interesting to see. They're always two of of the most interesting starting pitchers. Um, again, I think some people will still see this these these matchups for them um, as plus matchups against the, an AL Central team. Um, but mm-hmm. going back to the you know this goes to the Minnesota offense, but I think these will be a bit tougher o- offenses than some people expect. Uh, I think it'll it'll test mm. them. It also makes guys like McHugh. I was saying this a little bit earlier, but it also makes guys like McHugh uh, and, and Peacock uh, less directly startable. Though, though McHugh, if I'm looking, right. especially McHugh, if I'm looking season long, uh, is a player that I'm still interested in, even though he's had a couple of rough ones recently. Um, just not necessarily in this matchup. Definitely not Peacock in this matchup. Uh, he's a guy who 
um, has been known as a primary fastball breaking ball guy. Um, not a guy that profiles to have particularly good splits, uh, and, and not a guy who has profiled to be a guy who who gets guys out multiple times very well. He's going to have to find a way to get a lot of lefties out uh, consistently when he fights Minnesota. So, so that's a particularly rough matchup. Um, you know, I think one of the only things for for Houston is if they ever get the chance to or find the, a way to get. Uh, the the Jordan Alvarez's and the Kyle Tucker's playing time because you know they obviously have uh, mm-hmm. a great lineup with a lot of stalwarts um, Carlos Correa Jose Altuve Alex Bregman I mean that's that's three quarters and the the important three quarters defensively of your infield all smacked right. out right there uh, Michael Brantley George Springer um, you know you got all these players um, who they really I think. And a player that could take a player that could take him to the next level, I think, is Kyle Tucker if he uh, really has a good year. I know, I know his, his stock in a lot of people's eyes uh, dropped last year, but I still think he's an incredibly talented player. Um, but but really for Houston, it's just that in terms of talking points. It's the fact that they have these, um, you know, just like the Dodgers these last few years, they have these solid rotational players like Tyler White, uh, Ulyaski Gurriel. Um, Aledmus Diaz, you know, these, these guys who are who are solid, uh, who you expect to be decent when they play, um, but not necessarily have this mixed league value. And then there's a couple guys, you know, especially if, say, uh, say Jordan Alvarez gets first first base playing time, uh, that could become interesting. But, but right now these are mostly just uh, for fantasy mixed bags. Yeah, uh I I agree with that. Um, I, I think it's surprising that Josh Reddick is hitting 354 on the season to lead the team, um, and uh, uh, obviously uh, George Springer leading uh, the team in RBI with 22. Uh, both those stats uh, stand out to me because George Springer hits at the top, and uh, I I know that you know, he gets on base a ton, but uh, I thought it'd be uh, I know Alex Bregman's off to a, a little bit of a slow start, and Altuve uh, leads the team with nine home runs, uh, but he also got off to a slow start as well. Uh, John, anything about that uh, before I go into my matchup that I'm looking forward to? Uh, Springer is underrated. This guy, when he he stole bases like crazy his first few years in the league, if he was still right. doing that, we'd be talking about him like he'd be a top ten guy. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, and the guy's got power. He hits the ball deep. It goes over the fence by like miles. He hits the hell out of the ball. Um, I, that was an interesting um, series call. I, I do have the MLB package this year, and I, I wouldn't, you know, the Twins had very little respect in my eyes going into the season. Their starting pitching is, with the exception of Barrios, is still in deep trouble, but uh, they've had a good start to the season. That, that should be interesting. All right, Brian, go ahead. You 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 could uh, go with yours. Yeah. Uh, the uh, well, I was really looking forward to this series to watch uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, but uh, San Diego Padres playing the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I already mentioned Soroka as a nice spot start. Um, but the guy on the other other side, Mark. Marjavicius, uh he he's been uh, pretty solid so far this year, two and two, three point six oh ERA. Um and uh the Braves offense uh uh 
went to another world uh, today. Uh, you got Josh Donaldson hitting a home run. Uh, Ozzy Albies hit a pair of home runs. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, good to know that they can still hit home runs. Freddie Freeman hit another home run. Uh, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, and the Padres are, are not playing bad baseball right now. And uh, uh, I don't know if that has to do with Satis being in that lineup or uh, just the whole demeanor of the team uh, with uh, Manny Machado signing in the offseason. But they're 16-12, and uh, second in the division behind the Dodgers, and uh, they've been playing uh, great baseball. They have uh, uh, probably a... uh, uh, the best closer, uh, or maybe not the best closer, but one of the best closers uh, in the league, in uh, Kirby Yates. Uh, he, he's been pretty solid so far this season. And um, uh, so, yeah, he's been good. Uh, their starting staff has been good as well. Um, and in the second second game of the series, uh, it's Julio Teheron versus uh, Chris Paddock. Uh, Chris Paddock was a guy uh, or is a guy that's uh, uh, pitched really, really well. Uh, One-on-one with 1.67 ERA. Um, He was a guy that uh, they didn't uh, know if he would make the the team out, out of spring training, but then he dominated in spring training, so they had to uh, put him in the line, uh, put him in the rotation. Uh, Julio Teheran, uh, I, I think he should uh, have a good start as well um, uh, against against the Padres. Um, I, I, another hitter the Padres have that hasn't been spoken about, he hit he a home run today, Eric Hosmer. Uh, he, he isn't hitting that great so far this year, but 17 runs driven in. Uh, he's starting to get hot. Um, uh, I believe he now has uh, three or four home runs of the season. And then uh, another hitter for the Braves, uh, Dansby Swanson, is finally putting it all together. Uh, he's uh, leading the team in RBI with over 20. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, keep an eye on him. And I believe this is the finale uh on Wednesday, uh, Strom versus Fried. Uh, Fried is uh, three and one with a two point three zero ERA, and uh, Strom is zero two with a three point zero four. Another good pitching matchup. Uh, uh, both those pitchers are also good uh, streaming options. And actually, it's a four game series, uh, and Fultonevich uh, gets his second start of the season um, after uh, starting the season on the DL. uh, Was hit a little bit in his last start, but was in line for a a victory before uh, the bullpen blew it. That's one thing uh, the Braves don't have right now is uh, a good bullpen. Uh, They just traded for – today they traded for uh, uh, Blevins uh, from the Oakland A's. So – uh, uh, that's something to keep an eye on to see if uh, Blevins can help the struggling 
Braves bullpen. Uh, and uh, on the other side for the Padres, we got Eric Lauer, uh, who ha- has struggled a little bit this year, two point. Uh, uh, two and three with a 4.41 ERA. Um, so that's something to uh, uh, of note that um, uh, that last game isn't as much as a pitcher's duel in the afternoon uh, getaway day uh, contest. Uh, Cole, do you have anything to say about that series? Well, uh, first off, just just working backwards uh, on some things that I've heard recently, you know, I think it shows where the Braves bullpen is that they're trading for a guy like Jerry Blevins because it should it should send the red flag out right. right away that they're getting Jerry Blevins from the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics, for one, right. have a really good and deep bullpen, uh, but for two, and more right. importantly, are absolutely trying to compete this year. They're not giving away uh, good bullpen arms for nothing like. Jerry Blevins had, uh, first off, he's 35 years old, turns 36 this season, uh, towards the end of the season, um, had a 4.85 ERA last year uh, in, 50, four, in 42.2, excuse me, uh, innings pitched with the Mets. He's pitched really well so far in AAA. But, again, this is a guy at 35 years old and as a relief pitcher uh, is pitching in AAA uh, to try to prove himself uh, – to get a job, and, and he's proven himself enough to get a job, but, but that job's not with that that Triple A organization. That now he's been uh, traded over to to the Braves. So, but that that just goes to show you in, in one aspect of just how desperate these Braves right. are uh, right now for bullpen arms. I think once we, um, you know, the Braves aren't in all all or nothing territory, especially with how young and how locked up their their roster is. Um, but I do think the closer mm-hmm. we get to, to the trade deadline, the more realistic it becomes that if they're serious about competing this year, uh, you see them give, give up a prospect or two, uh, like, you know, people get mad at me when I say this, but like an Austin Riley, uh, that, that hurts quite a bit uh, just for mm-hmm. uh, back-end bullpen help because, you know, as much as uh, it is a short-term solution and one of the uh, lowest winning probability added statistics, you just simply can't function as a winning team. Uh, unless some of these guys really turn it around, you just cannot function as a winning team uh, with a bullpen like the Braves. And the Braves have a really interesting team because, you know, on offense, have they necessarily put everything together? Uh, no, not not necessarily. Josh Donaldson's gotten hot recently. Uh, specifically, had had that one huge game recently. Um, Ozzy Albies has, has been solid. Uh, Ronald Soon has been been really good this year. Freddie Freeman's obviously one of the most consistent solid hitters. They have a really good lineup. Uh, the question is, can some of these young pitchers uh, put it together enough to to make this a full excuse me, a full rotation. Uh, Mike fulton is a player um, that's coming back. Did he have a great first start? Uh, no, but he also gave up two home runs, which uh, I wouldn't call that fluky, even though some of the numbers would call it fluky. But what I would call it um, is someone on their first game back uh, not necessarily executing uh, perfect command in the strike zone uh, how how much they'd like to. What what was still prevalent was his ability to miss bats, uh, and he didn't give up uh, very many walks. I believe believe it was only one walk in his first six innings. Uh, so so I think Fultonevich uh, did did a job for his first start 
off the disabled list, not necessarily in terms of ERA or any of, any of that, you know, stuff that, that is very important for, for us recording statistics. Um, but, but in terms of like just, just how he looked, um, how he was able to manage strike zone against non-strike zone, uh, balls in the zone and then missing contact and things like that. I think he was uh, rather impressive. Um, you know, Soroka and Freed are out in this matchup, and I think those are two guys that are very, very interesting to watch. Um, very different because, honestly, mm-hmm. Soroka, you know, not to say that he doesn't have upside. I do think he has quite a bit of upside, but but the way I define Soroka personally is as a guy who's more safe than anything. Um, I haven't necessarily been sold with the rest of his repertoire that, that he's going to be able to miss a ton of bats, consistently be one of the better uh, pitchers, a front-line starter uh, in terms of stuff, if you will. What I have been convinced of is, is that he has a pretty good fastball with pretty good movement and a, and a really good idea, uh, at least with some consistency, uh, of where that fastball is going. Uh, and that command, especially the first time through orders, um, like the San Diego Padres or any order that really isn't one of the best batting orders in the league, uh, should give Soroka uh, a decent first time through. He's just going to continue to have to, you know, develop that secondary repertoire of pitches. Um, Max Fried is a guy on the other hand who actually absolutely has electric stuff. Um, I mean, you can really see the ball blazing out of his hands. I haven't gotten a chance to, you know, see him play enough that, so I don't want to go too far into Max Fried. Um, but, but he's an absolutely uh, electric left-handed arm uh, and someone I'm very intrigued uh, to watch against these Padres. Uh, and then one San Diego Padre, um, Fran Mil Reyes is a guy who, who I almost talked about as an ad, um, I'm not a big X stats guy in the fact that I like looking them up and I like comparing them, um, but I don't really use them as anything more uh, than that for the most part. Um, but, you know, I do think they're important to look up. Um, and, and Infernal Reyes' X stats are incredible. I mean, they say this guy's one of the most unlucky hitters uh, in baseball right now, that, that stat, stat cast service X stats. I know a lot of people who swear by it. Uh, again, I'm not one of them necessarily personally, but uh, I do think when it comes to you know ownership ads and deeper leagues, um, looking at someone as if they have upside, uh, I think it's worthwhile uh, to look into uh, adding Fran Mil Reyes in, in any leagues that that he's been dropped in, even with the you know playing time situation being potentially murky as it were. Um, he's a player with talent, upside age on his side, uh, quite a bit of things on his side, really, um, and, and a potentially low cost. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, John, any comments before we wrap up the show? A lot of, a lot of good stuff, but I, I will say as far as the Braves, they are in deep trouble. They got a lot of these tremendous billion-dollar arms, these young kids, with the exception of Freed, they're, they're not putting it together. I mean, they sent Newcomb to the minors. This guy was a, a top left-handed pitcher when he's on, and he was dreadful. And the bullpen is a wreck. It is terrible. Mipter as your closer, that's deep trouble. They picked up Blevins just because he was a guy that was available. He's a lefty guy that the pitches against left-handed batters. He's no good. Why don't they just give Kimbrell the money? I can't understand it. I think that the starting right. pitcher will you know, iron itself out. That lineup is, is excellent. But they're going nowhere with that mess of the pitching staff right now. It's embarrassing. 
It's really bad. Mm-hmm. As far as the Padres, I mean, great, fantastic story. One of the best farm systems, if not the best in all of baseball. These guys are emerging right. less than right. The piece will be all right. I just saw the video. That's That looked kind of ugly, but he's young, and hopefully it's yeah. nothing. But the start he right. had is off the charts. The guy was tremendous. Everybody's saying, no, they're going to send him to the minors. They're going to send him to the minors. Well, right. the Padres put him out there, and the guy is tremendous. He's a good shortstop. Speed and power. I mean, oh, my God. And talk about Paddock. This is the guy that pitched seven games in double A. Seven games, that's it. Right. And they rushed him. He was fantastic last year. You read a stats, you like, you do a double take. You had eight walks and 120 strikeouts. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the pods are loaded. Just, uh, you mentioned Mar- He's, uh He wasn't touted. Yeah. This guy didn't even pitch in double A. He pitched in high A ball last year. They rushed him because they, they thought their pitching staff sucks. And guess what? It's really good this year. It is very good. Mm-hmm. Strom is tremendous. Yeah. He looks like a man. And uh, I got mm. a lot of high hopes for, for the Padres. It's it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I think the main reason why the Braves aren't signing uh, Craig Kimbrell is uh, uh, if they do sign him, they, lo- uh, they have to give up a pick, uh, the compensation pick. And uh, those are basically – Heavily coveted. I think that's the same thing with Dallas Keuchel. Um, so that'd be interesting to watch. Without right. a closer <laughs> and without help in its middle relief, they they, they are doomed. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but uh, we're gonna wrap up the show there, uh, John. Anything uh, you want to close the show with? I would have to say I would say one thing. I'm I'm writing the articles about the high low. And everybody that's yeah. into this sport is about the high low. A lot of people don't like doing it because it takes a certain amount of courage to trade a guy when he's a red hot, or, or for that matter, to pick up a guy that really sucks. And and that's basically what you do in this game. And uh, there's one guy I came across, and I pretty much consider everybody, you know, uh, a person that could go in this high low game, but. The way Tyler Glasnow is pitching right now, forget about it. If this guy's on my team, mm-hmm. he's going nowhere. It, I'm talking about right. the leagues, you know, the redraft leagues. He's going nowhere. He's he's just mowing people down. Six foot eight. He he found it a little at the end of last year, but Pittsburgh has got to be sick losing this guy. A young stud like this. He's six foot eight. He made, you know, yeah. he made the Sox who are not playing that good, granted, but he made them look stupid twice in a row and before six tremendous starts in a row. He, to me, he's the best best starting pitcher in, in the AL right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I give him the okay. crown. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks as always, John. Uh, have a good one. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Cole. Um uh, you have the reins next week, um, but anything you want to uh, close up with uh, this week? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I have anything uh, unique or, or too much to add. All, all I'll really do is go back um, to the last topic. You know, I, I think when you talk about Craig Kimbrell and the, this compensation pick uh, and really everything yep. that has to do with Craig Kimbrell, 
I, I think it all makes sense. I think the reasons that the Braves um, don't want to spend on Craig Kimbrell makes sense, but it's one of these, like, sit you down and tell you, listen, this is the reality. Uh, and the reality is, you know, months ago, we were in the middle of the off season, and there were a lot of guys on the market, and there were a lot of guys, uh, even flyers, even potential pickbackups pick that were worth two, three, four, five million dollars that you could have gotten. But guess what? You didn't do that. Um, and you know, now we're a few months later, and we don't have a large open market full of you know three million dollar relievers or even Adam Adovino's. Uh, that are that is available to you right now and you know what what you have is either here's the thing about saying the compensation obviously if you can get that guy uh to sign with your team you know in a month month and a half whenever that compensation goes away maybe you can say it's ultimately ultimately worth it but if you don't get Craig Kimbrell um you might not be giving up draft picks or compensation picks but you'll be giving up former draft picks they're called prospects and you'll be giving them up probably at a higher rate than whatever your draft capital that's tied to Craig Kimbrell is going to be worth because you're going to be, you know, you're either going to be consistently trading for Jerry Blevins, who are, you know, like John said, a lefty guy who really just gets out lefties and you're just hoping can give you something else. Or you're, you know, paying the pretty penny to bring in a Simber and a hand like like the uh, Cleveland Indians did. And, you know, so either way you're, you're giving up a lot, whether it's to compensate the com- compensation pick or not so you know it's it's you know it's this is the reality dude you know um they they had their their chance to get cheaper relievers they chose not to they chose to go into the the season with these guys and you know if it's not working out for them their only choices are to to call up all of these young guys and throw them in the pen and, and hope that that creates a stable pen somehow or blow the bank more than you wanted to in the first place, even to uh, to put up a bullpen. Either that, or just continue to lose games. I mean, that's that's always an option, I guess, right. for some teams. But, <laughs> right. but that, that's all I got. Right. If, yeah. If you're not ready to compete, you know, why even bother uh, putting a good bullpen together? You know, and just just go out there and uh, basically try not to lose uh, dramatically, but. Uh, don't don't have the bullpen guys to really uh, put it all together. But uh, thank you as always, Cole. Uh, I'll I'll probably uh, I might tune in next week. Uh, you're hosting next week. Uh, I'm I'm off again. But after that, I'll I'll be back for a while. So uh, have a good week. Yeah, all sounds good. Sounds good. I'll see you yeah, soon. Have a good. Yep. All right, that'll do a do it here uh, for the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio Show. Uh, uh, Cole will have you next week uh, with a guest uh, to keep you up and update with uh, streamers uh, and uh, series previews. Uh, have a good one.